This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called Who Gives a Shit Files. And I really appreciate you listening. Now, this podcast is dedicated to James Edwin Curry, who is a longtime friend of mine. I've known him since the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago. He's been a long-term friend. We played basketball together. He's actually one of the stars of the War Devils. He had the best hook shot in the history of basketball. So this is about a trip that he and I took in 1984. And by the way, this is not a podcast for children because we were two single guys. We're running around Europe. And I'm going to tell a story of that. So there's sex and drugs and booze and no rock and roll. I'm not going to talk any rock and roll. But I want to let you know this is not appropriate for children. So you've been forewarned. Now, 1984, we were, Jimmy C and I were in our early 30s. And 1984 was a totally different world. First of all, no cell phones, no cell phones at all. There was, Ronald Reagan was president and he was elected by a landslide. And what's kind of amazing is that California and New York both voted for Reagan. And Ronnie took, he was a Republican. And those states, which are true Democratic states right now in election, they got Democrats everywhere. In Congress, in the Senate, the governor, and they always voted for a Democratic president. Back then, they voted for Ronald Reagan. They were smart back then. They're not so smart now. Actually, I'm not going to get into politics here because this is not never a political podcast. Apple came out with their first PC. Prince with Purple Rain was the number one album of the year. HIV was finally identified as a disease. It had been killing people for about five years, and they finally identified and isolated HIV. Jeopardy! ran its first episode with Alex Trebek. Eddie Murray was, Eddie Murphy, excuse me, Eddie Murphy was the biggest movie star at the time. Ghostbusters was the highest grossing movie. And get this, the LA Raiders, okay, not the Oakland Raiders, not the Las Vegas Raiders, But the L.A. Raiders won the Super Bowl. And by the way, I used to play with some of those guys, used to play basketball with some of those guys in Manhattan Beach where they lived and I lived. And they were great guys, had a few beers, Howie Long, Rusty Russell. They were really, really nice guys. You know, you didn't mess with them on the basketball court, but they were great guys. And I was so happy to see a Super Bowl come to L.A. It was L.A.'s first Super Bowl, and it was the Raiders, the Los Angeles Raiders, that won it. Detroit Tigers, they beat the Padres in the World Series. Can you believe it? Last time Detroit was in the World Series and last time the Padres are in. Now, if you listen to my podcast, you know I'm a Padres fan. And the fact the Padres have a pretty good shot at making the World Series. You know, they're signing all sorts of players. They got their murderer's row now. They've got really good arms. They got a shot at it. 
but Detroit does not have a shot at it. They're not going to spend any money, and they haven't been good in baseball since the mid-'80s. And the Olympics were in L.A., Los Angeles, and the Soviet Union decided that they were going to boycott the Olympics, and they're getting back at the United States for us boycotting the Moscow Olympics back in 1980. Now, in 1984, Jim Curry and I, oh, and by the way, I should talk about a couple other things. Now, in 1984, the cocaine epidemic was running rampant. Cocaine was everywhere. I was young and single, and every time, every party I went to, there were there were lines on a mirror. You know, I'd go out to dinner and there'd be people drawing lines on the table. There was NFL players, NBA players, Major League Baseball players. Cocaine was the rage. It was an epidemic. And by the way, it was white, Latino, Asian, African-American, everybody was doing cocaine. It wasn't just it wasn't just a certain economic group or a certain ethnic group. It was pervasive throughout the American society, especially in California. You know, when the movie stars start doing it, the rest of the town, rest of LA, the rest of California, the rest of Hollywood, they all embrace it. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about cocaine, but it's you know, when we talk about it, it is the norm back in 1984, it wasn't an aberration. Now, I didn't do cocaine, and it's not that I was on a temperance drive or that like I had this philosophical issue with it. I had what is called a deviated septum. And if I did it, if I snorted anything in my nose, boy, my nose would blow up like a balloon and I couldn't breathe for a couple of days. So what I would do to keep up with all the people that were doing cocaine, all the women, all my friends, most of my friends were doing it, not all of them, but most of my friends in Manhattan Beach and Newport Beach, my basketball buddies, cocaine was was rampant back in, in 1984. So, you know, once again, it is not an aberration that anybody did it. But what I would do is because, you know, cocaine gives you, you know, fills you full of piss and vinegar and energy. In order to keep up, I used to do a lot of vitamin B12. You know, I'd put it under my tongue and boy, I'd be flying, have a couple of beers, maybe an herbal cocktail and a bunch of vitamin B and I would be flying. So Jimmy C and I are off to Spain. And, you know, I got to tell you, it was like, Remember those Hope and Crosby movies in the 40s and 50s? That was, you know, Bing and Bob were running around to Morocco, rode to Morocco. By the way, we went to Morocco, rode to Zanzibar, all those road to movies that were funny. Well, that was Jimmy C and I. We were Hope and Crosby. And I don't know who was Hope and I don't know who was Crosby. I was probably Hope and he was probably Crosby. But nonetheless, they were fun and we had an adventure and we didn't run into Dorothy L'Amour, but we did run into some other type of women that I'll talk briefly about that. And there was a lot of herbal refreshment on our trip, and I'm going to get into that, too. Now, what happened, excuse me, what happened 
is when we were in the airport waiting for our plane, our red eye to go from Los Angeles to Madrid, uh, Jimmy C did a line of coke before he before he hopped on the plane. And I did a bunch of vitamin B12. And once again, that was normal. I want to, you know, I want to emphasize the fact that cocaine was normalcy back in 1984. It was not shunned. It was revered. It was exalted. People were doing songs about Eric Clapton was doing songs. You know, the Eagles were doing songs. I mean, it was everywhere. It was very pervasive. So the fact that Jimmy C did it is not, you know, that's not a condemnation. You know, it just, everybody was doing it. So he did it. I did a bunch of vitamin B12. So what we decided we were going to do is, you know, we were a bunch of idiots. We were drunk and we were buzzed. So what we decided to do is we were going to smoke a joint on the plane. Now, I want you to know that this pot that we had was Hawaiian pot. It wasn't like normal Mexican marijuana. This was hand-grown by a friend of ours, Dean Ship, who has since passed away. God rest in peace, Dean. Uh, we miss you. And so he brought it from Hawaii, and we decided we were going to smoke it in the boys' room, in the, in the bathroom, in the plane. So the plane takes off. They dim the lights. And everybody's going to sleep after probably an hour, an hour and a half in the air. So what happens is I go in there and I take a couple of hits of Hawaiian pot. And I am telling you, I could have flown without an airplane. I mean, I was so high, I was on the moon. My butt might have been on the airplane, but I, my head was on the moon. I was flying high. So I left the joint in the bathroom, and we were sitting right next to the bathroom. That's where our seats were. And Jimmy C. gets up and smokes a joint. And it was his turn to go in the bathroom. And like the dumbass, prick, idiot, asshole that I am, the host of this podcast, what I did is I knocked on the door while he was in there smoking. And I, in a very deep voice, I said, what are you doing in there? Uh, you know, get out immediately. So Jimmy C. opens the door and sprints to the other side of the plane. There was smoke billowing out of there. And I was laughing my ass off. I thought it was the funniest thing. And it was, first of all, it was very stupid to smoke a joint on the plane. I mean, this was 1984. Marijuana was not legal back then. I mean, they could have thrown our asses in jail when we got to Madrid. And something tells me that being in a Madrid jail is not a very pleasurable experience. And then me knocking on the door and screwing over my friend is something that is, you know, I mean, in retrospect, it's despicable. I mean, why the hell would I do it? Well, the reason was is because I was really flying high. Anyways, now I have to tell you that from then on, karma started kicking my ass, justifiably so, on this trip. Anything that could go wrong went wrong with me. So what we did is, you know, Jimmy C is like, you know, F off. He was not laughing at all. But after a while, we went to sleep and everything died down. And, you know, it, the, uh, the joint we smoked on the plane really helped us get some sleep. 
but karma was ready to bite me in the ass and karma did take a huge bite out of my ass deservedly so so we go to spain and where we stay first stop is first stop is madrid and we found it interesting in madrid that all of the policemen were carrying submachine guns i mean there was a law and order edict in in madrid and we went to the prado which is a renowned ranked second in the world museums for art i mean there's da vinci in there there's rembrandt's there's gauguin's there's the rubens there is incredible amount of paintings and artwork and mosaics once again second only to the louvre in terms of prestigious museums so we're checking it out and i'm walking around and of course you know since we brought pot there you know we smoked a little joint before we got there and we're flying around prado and all of a sudden jimmy c disappears and you know i'm not worried about him i mean you know he's you know six foot tall 180 pounds of solid muscle i mean nobody was going to mess with him unless of course it was a policeman with a machine gun but other than that you know he was safe and we were safe in the place so but all of a sudden he taps me on the shoulder he goes come here you got to see this so leave it to jimmy c to find the porn wing in the in the in the prado in madrid I swear to God, there was a section where, you know, there were lovers entwined. There were perversions that monks were doing with the crucifix that I am not going to get into at this point. But I couldn't believe that. And it's just this one little alcove in this huge museum. And Jimmy C. found it. Good for Jimmy C. That's why this podcast is dedicated to him because Jimmy, leave it to Jimmy C to find porn in the Prado. <laughs> so he did. And it was also funny because in Madrid, first of all, the food in Spain is fabulous. It's really good. But Jimmy C, for some reason, got it confused with the food in Mexico, which can be dangerous, can give you you know, diarrhea and all sorts of different parasites and things like that. So the first couple of days, we ate strictly at McDonald's. We ate morning, noon, and night at McDonald's. And finally, finally, we decided to give gazpacho a try in Madrid. And the gazpacho in Madrid was fabulous. The food was fabulous. What we did is we go to these little places that were like three or four tables and they were like in the back alley and they served beer and wine and they'd have like a choice of like rabbit or chicken. That was it. That was it. Just two dishes and two salads and all the sides were the same. So it was very limited menu, but the food was just unbelievable. So, you know, we're having a couple of drinks and, you know, what we decided to do was procure some company. We wanted to meet women. I mean, you know, why not? Why the hell not? I mean, we were single. We were in our 30s, early 30s. We had money. You know, why not? We're in a foreign country. Let's go procure some entertainment and companionship. I mean, why not? 
So we did. We went to this area in Spain and we met a couple ladies. Now, me being the selfish prick that I am, that I was. So what happened is there were two ladies and one was a beautiful like model. She was beautiful. She was absolutely stunning, gorgeous, tall, you know, dark, you know, Spanish looking, just a, a beautiful woman. So I grabbed her and Jimmy C grabbed the other ones and we went to these sleazy motels and, you know, I was so turned on by this lady that, you know, I will say that my performance in the bedroom was substandard. I mean, let's face it, I lasted a couple of seconds and that was it. Not one of my more finding, uh, my finest moments. And this lady who was who was the beautiful model was laughing at me because (laughs) because of my lack of performance and jimmy c of course did a stellar job and his lady that he had was you know was very satisfied mine was laughing at me so that's the first part of karma that bit me in the ass another thing that bit me in the ass is a couple of days later I uh, noticed that uh, there was a little leak in my plumbing and it was not a good thing and I was hoping it would go away. So I'll talk a little bit about that later. So we left, we were there a couple of days in, in Madrid and my little plumbing issue kept getting worse and worse. And what we did is we drove to Granada, which was a beautiful place. It was beautiful, uh, Moorish influence, the architectures, the the gardens, the palaces, the castles, you know, everything was beautiful. And as a matter of fact, when we were there, there was a Moorish holiday going on. I have no idea. I'm not familiar with the Muslim religion, but, you know, Moors are the Muslims of Spain, of southern Spain. And they were they were partying and Granada was great because what people would do is, you know, they get up early and then take a nap in the afternoon for a couple hours and then they'd wake up about three to four and then they'd be up to 11 or 12 and then go to sleep. And it was beautiful. So what we did is we were eating outside and the Moorish people were friendly and you know, they were lighting off fireworks and Roman candles. It was really something to see. And so we were, you know, wound up as usual. So what we did is Jimmy C and I took a Frisbee. And in in uh, in Granada, what we did is we started playing Frisbee in the middle of the street. And there was nobody else there. It was like 2, 2 and 3 in the morning, something like that. The bars had closed and we had a snootful and the cops would drive by and they saw us playing frisbee and we waved to them and they waved back and asked us how we were doing and we you know muy bien them gracias and they were really nice and then we started throwing the frisbee off of these buildings bouncing it back and the cops would wander by again just take a look at us we'd wave to them they'd wave back to us they were really nice and then, you know, at a third time, they came by and they kind of gave us a weird look and we decided, okay, that was it. 
So we went in and spent the night in Granada, got up the next morning and headed south. And we had no idea where we were going. Now, a couple of things happened um, when we were driving south is that, first of all, it was like Indianapolis 500. You know, the Spanish were passing on the left and passing on the right, and they were, you know, flying by us. So finally, my I was driving, my competitive juices got up, and I drove, I, you know, I started driving like a maniac. And I passed a guy on the right, and it was a stupid thing to do. It was dangerous, and Jimmy C called me out. He goes, you are driving like a fucking idiot. Stop. And I said to Jimmy C, I said, you know, we're going to be with each other for a couple of weeks here. We got to respect each other. You got to let me drive the way I want to. And, you know, and butt out, Jimmy C. And then I look in the mirror and there was a cop pulling us over. He had his, his uh, you know, his light going on and he was shining a light. So I pull over. It's the middle of the afternoon. And you know what the cop said to me? He goes, you are driving like a fucking idiot, just like what Jimmy C said to me. And the guy is chewing me out like crazy. And so that's karma number two. So that's karma number two. So Jimmy C is cracking up. He's laughing his ass off while the cop is reaming me out. And, I, you know, I was worried I was going to go to jail and it cost me 50 bucks. So anyways. Uh, they pulled me over. Karma got me twice. It cost me 50 bucks. And Jimmy C laughed at me as well he should have all the way to a place which was our next stop called Estepona. And it was by the coast. And it was a beautiful resort town, not too big. And it was right by there. It was real. It was in southern Spain not too far from Gibraltar and and right on the Mediterranean Ocean. We could see, we had a view of the Mediterranean Sea. It's not an ocean, sorry. The Mediterranean Sea from our place. And, you know, we got to know the people that were there, the owners, and it was an interesting situation. The owner had two sons and they were both, you know, probably maybe a little younger than us, but around our age. And, you know, they came into our room. They're showing us our room. They bought us a beer. We smoked a little pot with them. And the guy goes to us. And so it was interesting. What was interesting about the brothers is they spoke five languages apiece, but they were all different languages. They spoke Spanish. But what they did is since it was a resort place, all that, like the, the one guy spoke Chinese, Japanese, Italian, German and the other guy spoke English and he spoke, you know, Arabic. And so by breaking up the languages, they could service all their customers because this was a nice hotel and people would really come and visit it from all over the world. They spoke to all the different languages. So we thought that was kind of interesting. Anyway, so we we smoked we smoked a little pot with the guy. And the guy goes, you know, pot is pretty rare in southern Spain. 
but we have a ton of hash. He goes, would you like to trade some pot for some hash? And we're like, yeah, why not? We got to know these guys. So we trust them. You know, we didn't think we were walking into some sort of trap. You know, these kids were, they were rich the way they dressed. They had a hotel. So, you know, it didn't even enter our mind. We were being set up and we weren't. So what he did is he took us, they, you know, we hopped in their car. We drove about 15 minutes south of Estepona and we ended up in this guy's house who was considered the king of hash in Spain. He had a ton of hash. So what we did is we gave him two joints of Hawaiian pot for a a brick of hash that was literally as big as my fist. It was huge. And it was great, great hash. It was smooth. It It was brown hash. Got you higher than hell, but it, it was a light, buzzy sort of feeling. It didn't, you know, it wasn't heavy paranoia. You know, it was perfect for throwing a Frisbee or hanging out or going out to dinner. It was just a lot of fun. So we traded that, you know, our couple of joints for a ton, a ton of hash. Now, what we did is we, you know, we were hanging out at bars and, you know, in Estepona and it was kind of funny, Jimmy C at six feet and, you know, me at six, two, we were the tallest guys in all the bars and all the hookers would come up to us and they would, they would, uh, you know, they would offer their services. And, you know, I learned my lesson. I was still having my plumbing issues. And, but most of these hookers were not very cute. They were kind of, they were big and, you know, fat and ugly and they were offering their services and we figured it out for like about a dollar 50. You could have had one of these hookers. But, you know, once again, I learned my lesson. Jimmy C wasn't interested. So we passed on it. So my issue is getting worse and worse. My plumbing, my leakage in my plumbing was really getting worse. And what we what we had to do, what I had to do, not Jimmy C., Um, But what I had to do is I explained to our buddies, you know, the owners of the hotel, I got a little issue and they got a kick out of it. You know, it's not unusual for a tourist to, you know, to, you know, have a little issue that I had, you know, especially if you're a young man looking for companionship. So he said, one of the guys told me that there is a hospital in Marbella, and Marbella was about 20 minutes, 25 minutes north of Estepona. So I hopped in the car, and Jimmy C. and I had been partying all night. And, you know, I asked Jimmy C. if he'd come with me to the hospital in Marbella, Spain, you know, to address my deal. And he looked at me, and he said, no way. No way. You're on your own, pal. You wanted the good looking hooker. You did the joint thing. I'm not doing you any favors. So you go do it. I'm going back to bed. So I drove to Marbella, asked directions and and found the hospital. And once again, there's no cell phones. Right. And I didn't speak Spanish. I mean, you know, I could ask for a beer, you know, 
you know, uh, dos mas cervezas por favor, that's about it, you know, gracias. But, you know, I couldn't communicate that I was sick or I had a plumbing issue in Spanish. So I walk in to the emergency room and I am, you know, once again, 6'2", 6'3". I was the tallest guy in the hospital. I walk in and and I'm tan, you know, and American. And there's probably 10 nurses just sitting around a station. And I tried to explain what was wrong, right? What was, what was going on with me? So I said, I know this is silly, but I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say enfermo. I do now, but I didn't at the time. So I said, you know, El Venerio Dezizo. I did. That's what I did. And everybody's got all the, all the nurses have a quizzical look on their face. Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? So I said it again, and they're like shrugging their shoulders. Nobody spoke English, obviously. So what I did is, you know, those little plates that you do tests, they're like little, they're little glass plates. They're little, you know, panes of glass that you put something in and you, you know, and you look under the microscope for it. Well, I grabbed two of those. I grabbed the, what looked like the nurse who was in charge and I went, I brought her into a closet and I squeezed a little of my residue from my plumbing onto one of those slates and I showed it to the lady and she started laughing and she goes, oh, see, me comprende, oh, see, see. And she started laughing really, really loud at me. And I'm feeling pretty stupid. So then she goes out and with the other, you know, eight to 10 nurses that are just standing there doing nothing. She explains to them what's happening and they all start laughing at me. They're like, ah, see, and they're laughing and saying stuff in Spanish and pointing at me. And so that's the, you know, karma really, really bit me on the ass and as well it should. So, and I told you this was not a podcast for kids. So hopefully all the kids are in bed by now. So it was a very humiliating experience. And they gave me a dose of tetracycline. And it was a very low dose. And it mitigated the symptoms, but it didn't eradicate them. So I had residue that was emanating and it, you know, once again, it slowed it down, but it didn't stop it totally. And we had a terrific time. We had a terrific time in Estepona, Spain, and it was a beautiful place. And a couple other things I wanted to note because they're kind of geographical aberrations that were weird. We went down to Morocco for the day. So we made it to Africa. And there wasn't much going on there. We got a guide. The guide took us to this place, and this guy tried to sell us for two hours on a bunch of memorabilia and stuff from Spain. So we bought a dagger, and we bought some souvenirs from the guide. But Morocco was pretty uneventful. It was kind of cool going down to Africa. It's the only time I've been you know, around the world. And it was the only time I've ever been Af to Africa. So it was, it was kind of fun. 
But uh, we went to Seville after that. Seville had gang problems. And, oh, there was one other thing I want to talk about in Estepona. So we drove down to the Rock of Gibraltar, and it looks just like the, the Prudential logo. It's a big rock. But what was interesting there is 100 yards, there's 100 yards of land separating the Mediterranean from the Atlantic Ocean. And I found this fascinating. I love maps. I love geography. So first of all, it was at the tip of Spain, at the mouth of Spain, they call it. And you'd walk, you'd walk to the Mediterranean Sea. And the Mediterranean Sea was dark, and it was warm, and it was deep. Three steps, you were up to your waist, right? And it was warm water, and you couldn't see anything. Now, you go 100 yards, literally walk 100 yards west, and there's the Atlantic Ocean, and it's clear, and it is probably 15 degrees colder, and it is also extremely shallow. You walk out 100 yards, and you're up to your knees. You walk out five steps and you're up to the waist in the Mediterranean. So I just thought that was worth men mentioning, being you know a guy who loves geography, loves looking at maps. It was the contrast between the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea was very stark, very stark. So we'd spent like a week in Estepona and had a blast and you know had some adventures there. And then we went to Seville, and Seville wasn't that great of a place. But what happened is at night they closed it down because at night you could see there were gangs of people just looking for trouble and of young men. And, you know, we just kind of stayed indoors. So Seville was pretty uneventful. So we went to Madrid, and what happened is we flew home and we uh, we had you know uneventful flight but what jimmy c decided to do now we had literally a hash block i am not exaggerating the size of our fist and we were smoking it all the time for two weeks but there was still a whole lot left i mean we didn't even come close to smoking half of it so i'm like well Jimmy C, let's throw it away. Because I was, I'll be damned with the luck that I had had on our trip to Spain that I was going to take. I was not getting near this stuff. But Jimmy C said, you know, there's a lot of hash here. It's worth a lot of money. And, you know, I'm going to put it in my pants and just, you know, take our chances. So what was interesting is so we blew right through customs, right? No issues there. While we were waiting, this is a true story. You know, my motto is never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But this is true. So we were waiting for our bags, you know, to come down the chute and get in the turnstile. And while we got into the area where the baggage claim, there were dachshunds that were dressed in like, I don't know, they were dressed in like neon outfits and they were smelling all the luggage and they were walking around the turnstile all around. And I assume they were looking for drugs. I mean, 
you know, maybe it was fruit, but I thought it was drugs. And, you know, we were coming from Spain, a lot of hash and, you know, Midnight Express. If you ever saw that movie, it's a great movie. And it's about a guy who tried to bring hash uh, away from Turkey and got caught and ended up in a Turkish prison. Well, I had visions of this for Jimmy C because these dogs are sniffing everything. Now, my bag, swear to God, was the first one out. So I grabbed it. We waited and waited and waited for Jimmy C's bag, and all these bags are coming down. Meanwhile, the dogs, there's two dogs, and they're going in the same direction, okay? They didn't crisscross. So Jimmy C just had to walk between the dogs as they were moving. So he's walking around the turnstile between the two dogs, and they never caught up with him. And when they got close to him, I would drop my bag, so they wouldn't intercept him. And he kept walking around and around and around. And I swear to God, my bag was the first one out and his was the last one out. True story, I swear. It's a true story. As a matter of fact, everything we're talking about is true. So we made it home and one of our quote unquote friends was supposed to pick us up at the airport. And keep in mind, we've been gone for two to three weeks. We were tired, we were run down, we had partying. So, you know, we wanted, we had made arrangements for Stuwe Whedon to pick us up, okay? We had called him two nights before to confirm it. Oh yeah, Jim, Jimmy C, Jimmy E, they called me Jimmy E because of Jim English. I'll be there, you can trust me. Well, a son of a bitch never showed up. He left us there at the airport. And I mean, come on, Stuay. You know, why screw us? We were your friends. But he did anyways. You know, I mean, there's just, you know, you just there's certain people you can't trust. And he was one of them. Now, fortunately, Stuay has changed his act. He's married and, you know, he doesn't drink or smoke anymore. So I think that if we would have done it today, that he would have shown up, but he screwed us. So, you know, I'm going to end this story up. So my little plumbing issue, you know, where karma bit me in the ass, it didn't clear up totally by the tetracycline. So what I did is when I got back to Manhattan Beach, where I was living at that point in my life, I went to a urologist and I'm thinking, you know, what kind of guy is a urologist? There's going to be something weird about this guy. I mean, you know, I mean, there's going to be something weird. So I go in, I have my appointment. I explain to him what happened to me. I had a diagnosis from the hospital in Marabella. And I also had the dosage of tetracycline. And the guy says, you need more tetracycline. You just, it's that simple. You're a big guy that gave you a small dose. You know, it, it, you know, you take this, it'll clear up. And, you know, I'm looking at the guy going, he's a normal guy. He's just a normal guy. And then he came out from behind his desk and he was about four feet 10. And he wasn't a midget. He wasn't a dwarf. He was perfectly proportioned. He was just really, really short a really good guy and a very nice guy and he cured me and so he cured me and you know 
but he was a short guy. So this is the end of our story about Jimmy C and Jimmy E and their road to Spain adventures like Hope and Crosby. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We had fun and watch out for karma because it will bite you in the ass.